Theatre Podcast, episode number four. Hello and welcome back to the Beginner's Call Theatre Podcast. This is part two of series two. We had a little break over January, but we've been lining up some amazing guests for the rest of series two, and you'll hear them over the next few weeks. So yes, welcome back. Hope you are all Getting by in this new year, new lockdown, but new year, and hopefully some new opportunities for everyone out there. Firstly, I just want to say a massive thank you to everyone for helping us get shortlisted for Best Arts Podcast at this year's Podcast for Business Awards. We weren't fortunate enough to win, but just to be shortlisted amongst some amazing podcasts with only six months of releases is amazing, and we're all very proud of what we've been able to achieve, and hopefully it will continue to grow. But, as I said, we've got some exciting guests for you coming up. Lots of opportunities as well coming your way, as well as some brand new work, as always. So this is episode four of the Beginner School podcast. Hello and welcome to the Beginner School Theatre podcast. I've got Mark with me this week. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you, Toby. Thanks. Thanks very much for the invitation. No worries. Thank you for joining us. Uh, so we will start off this interview as we do with all of them throughout all of the series. And we give uh, the guests 30 seconds to talk about your theatre background uh, and a little bit about yourself. So take it away. OK, so um, my current role, I'm, I'm the head of drama at uh, St Mary's University in Twickenham, where we run um, uh, an actor training programme uh, with about 300 students on it and a technical theatre training programme. Um, and I came into education the long route. I wasn't I wasn't involved in university education until my mid thirties, but I was a secondary school teacher for a long while, and I also did a lot of freelance theatre work um, after leaving university, University of Kent, in too long ago now, nineteen ninety two. I left, um, so I kind of fluctuated between education and and theatre, and and whenever I could, I I, I got theatre gigs and, and worked as a director and as a writer. Um, and whenever I couldn't, I, I kind of found myself going back into education and working in secondary schools and then FE colleges and finally kind of wound my way into, into higher education, university education, uh, where I've, I, I landed about 15 years ago and I've, 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 I've stuck there, um, which kind of gives me the, I think the best of both worlds. I, you know, I'm still able to do very good creative work and at the same time I'm, I'm, I'm able to do my education and, and, and vocational stuff and the teaching of of young talent which which i find really exciting to do so yeah that's where i come from yeah that's great it's a really nice sort of broad background which i think is uh, yeah perfect it sounds great and hopefully it'll be really interesting as we go further along um what was what first sparked your interest in theater where did you first fall in love with it what was do you remember any key moments where you really were like this is the thing i want to do in the future yeah, I was lucky. I think, but I mean, my, both my parents were avid theatre goers, really avid theatre goers, um, and and I grew up in rural Oxfordshire, um, kind of halfway between London and 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 Stratford upon Avon. So, kind of from the age of eight, I was being trundled up to to, to the Royal Shakespeare Company to watch shows, um, and I had a, my mum's just a brilliant storyteller. So in the car up, she would tell me the story of the show, 
and this is so I would then watch the show knowing what was going to happen and I could it's kind of almost Brechtian experience I guess where you, where you kind of know what's going to happen but how's it going to happen mm-hmm. and and then you start to kind of analyze the word like that so I was, I was, I was kind of it's a bit pretentious I guess but I was really lucky that I was going to the RSC from the age of 10 and really reveling in it and and um and and from there I kind of got involved in all kinds of other theatres and, and I joined the National Youth Theatre when I was 14 which was a really important turning point for me because I, I wasn't doing so well at school at that point and was struggling with formal education and the National Youth Theatre gave me a, a whole new boost and then from there I went to I went to Kent um, uh, once I finished my, my my education my my yeah my my uh, pre-18 education and 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 then it just kept going just kept going but I've always loved stories and I've always loved storytelling um, and I've always thought that that's where truth lies actually so <laughs> I don't really believe anything unless it's a story um, and, and that that sometimes gets me into trouble but 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 it also gives me a I think um um or actually a very solid bedrock from which to make decisions and to live and to enjoy my life so. yeah I definitely think of the world of post-truth and fake news I think believing those stories is actually probably the best way of getting any sort of information at the minute yeah, that's right yeah. um that's great <laughs> moving into you yeah as you said in your sort of introduction you're now the head of drama at St Mary's University um obviously this probably gives you a slight waiting on this next question but what do you think is the importance of formalizing any sort of acting experience or any sort of theater experience into some sort of degree program yeah it's interesting i'm i'm not sure i am convinced that getting a degree is 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 <laughs> awful isn't it i'm a university lecturer is vital i don't think it's vital but what i do think university gives you um uh, and most people who, who've been through the university experience, regardless of subject, will, will, will agree with this, I think, is it gives you that initial confidence to network, to make friends, to, to collaborate, to try and find new ideas. So I think what you, what university does, particularly in actor training, for actor training, is it gives methodologies and it also gives scepticism. So it teaches you to do some stuff and it gives you really tangible skills that you can relate to and you can work through. Um, and it, it's given with the authority of, of expertise, which is which is something that's being challenged at the moment in, in in education. And we'll talk about that maybe later on. But it gives you it gives you that that kind of sense of confidence that you know how to do stuff. But at the same time, it teaches you to say, but is this the right stuff that I should be doing? So there's a kind of future proofing, I think, in university education, which is whilst you're getting all of that kind of knowledge and and technique and particularly in, in drama training, we are talking about technical vocational skills. We're not just talking about knowledge acquisition. But at the same time, there should always be, I think, in university education, that kind of sceptic in, in your head somewhere saying, but is this bullshit or is this real? <laughs> or does this actually work? Does this happen? Mm. Um, because most of the stuff that we're teaching now in 2020, by 2030, will be irrelevant. It'll be irrelevant and, and there'll be new stuff coming in. And unless the students who are coming through the system now are, are simultaneously believing in what we're, what we're offering and simultaneously storing away a bit of scepticism about what we're offering, nothing will grow, progress, develop, evolve in, um, in, in the way in which we tell stories. And time will mean we need to evolve. Time will need to, We can't tell in quite the same way um, 
the story of Hamlet now as we did in in the Elizabethan times or the, or the at the turn of that at the turn of that century, but we can tell it in our way and with our with our understanding of of, of what the, the depths of the truths are in that play, for example. And I think that's true of all of all of all plays. And, and a lot of that is to do with actor training. A lot of it's to do with technological development, but a lot of it's to do with actor training as well. I would argue. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting point that you bring up about challenging at university and evolving the way that theatre is taught I think and and we like perform I think it's really interesting I don't think you hear too many people talk about telling we have to tell stories in different ways because times are going to change I think a lot of people from various training go this is the way that you act this is the way it has to be and this is the way that we'll teach you and then you sort of regurgitate it in a lot of places so I think the idea of yeah evolving and moving with the times and changing is really interesting I think that's a good way of looking at it because I definitely know some people that I've spoken to that are very much like this is this is how you act I will teach you how you act you will copy it back to me and then that's mm. how acting happens forever um so yeah I think that's already yeah I think there is a rational fear though of chucking the baby out with the bathwater and I think that's absolutely rational you, you, you know there are bedrock skills and techniques and stuff and then you take back to the Greeks and follow it through and all that kind of stuff and I think that there are there are truths so you, you don't want to chuck out the good stuff but I also think you've got to you've got to reinvent and 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 and, and actually I think time probably has sped up that sounds bizarre in the last hundred years I mean, you know, the theatre director's only been in place for, as, as a concept for what, um, you, you know, 200 years at the most, you know, and, and theatre's much longer than that. So that, so will the theatre director go again? I think the theatre director's at risk, actually, at the moment as a, as a, as a concept, particularly the power relationship between the theatre director and the, and, and the other creatives in a company is being challenged in all kinds of ways at the moment, and probably rightly and probably very interestingly. And, and and it will create different ways in which we we tell stories in the future. Absolutely. Definitely. Um, I don't want to highlight the age too much, but I'm going to drop in a question of, have you, going back to your training and looking back at your university experience, how has it changed from sort of, if you look at teaching now and the way you work now compared to the way you were taught um, back at Kent in the 90s? Oh, so there, there, I had a really good time at Kent. I'm going to say I'm going to caveat that I had a brilliant time, right? <laughs> but there was there was awful an awful lot of fuck off and find out type teaching when I was at Kent, which I don't think I mean certainly not on our programs. Uh, we do we we have really solid you know thirty hours of contact a week working with students, um, and devised work that we do is very structured actually. Um, Whereas I think we, we, I mean, we produced some awful pieces of work because we were just left alone with our own indulgence to, to and without kind of structure and without advice to, to, uh, to explore things. And sometimes we just didn't do anything. We just sat around and didn't do anything. Um, and, and then went away feeling crap that we hadn't done anything and, and, and then knocked something together in three minutes. All of that's, I mean, part of that's all, all good social learning anyway. But, but, um, but I think what, what, what I also remember about Kemp was that there were there were certain kind of truths that went unchallenged in terms of how theatre should be and and how and so I keep saying Kemp but it's I think every every drama program at that time in the late eighties early nineties had that um, I remember Akebourne being the enemy and nobody nobody confronting that as, as an idea which is which in some ways is sad because he's he's a relatively <laughs> benign and benevolent. Um, 
um, uh, theatre director is incredibly positive about new creatives and incredibly supportive of new ways of working. Um, but we, we we were on the rampage in the in the late eighties against his influence, I think, and things like that. I think we 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 also kind of believed in the primacy of the director at that time and the primacy of the um, of the author. Though when I was at Kent, there was a devising course which was probably as good as anywhere in the country at that at that time, um, and that certainly introduced me to a huge number of new companies and new ways of working and and, and new ideas, which I'm very very grateful for. The teaching on that course was 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 tricky. As I said, we were left alone and abandoned quite a lot, I felt. And, and certainly if I look back now, I think if I did that to my students, there would be a range of complaints <laughs> coming flying in. But at the same time, the, just the broadening of our of our theatrical vocabulary, just by being exposed to um I mean, the practitioners at the time, like the one I really remember is Graham Miller, but Bobby Baker was around at that point and Forced Entertainment were just beginning their their their, their ascendancy, which, you know, is, is still in place in that world, I think. Um, I found it at the time, I was kind of exhilarated by that. Looking back, I also think it was incredibly monocultural, that education. Um, I don't think in four years at Kent, um, I ever worked with a black practitioner. And I think that's that's um, very much of the time. Um, it may also be because Kent's relatively rural, but I, it, you know, we're an hour and a half from London. My God, this wasn't this. It would have been very, very, very easy. And I don't think we were introduced really um, to the diversity of British theatre beyond a kind of intellectual diversity. So we weren't being we we weren't examining. I mean, the, the companies that were coming through at the time, like. Uh, Tara and Tawala Arts, we, we we just didn't touch. And I only really found out about their work after I'd left Kent and, and started to, um, I was teaching in Manchester after that. Um, uh, and and, and it, there was much more excitement and much more interest in a kind of diversity of, 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 of ecology, really, in, in how theatre was, was being produced and made. Um, so I kind of felt there was a bubble in Kent at that time and we were we were in it and it was comforting to be in it and it had its value. Um, uh, but it also, there was an indifference as well, I think, between the academics and the students. And I think part of that was to do with the research culture and, and we didn't know any better. We thought that was how it should be. Um, but again, I think the modern university and certainly modern drama training the, the lecturers are much more aware of their students and their needs and their and, and 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 their potentials and their ambitions, and really try and work more collaboratively with the students to fulfil those. Do you think some of that stems from obviously? So you've been in sort of education, like further education for the past fifteen years. Obviously, during that time, a lot has happened to the university culture. Obviously, the big one happening in the last decade with the sort of change in tuition fees. Have you noticed, does that, do you think part of that forms under the fact that I certainly felt from my, speaking to students my age, there's definitely that move to, are you, is it educational? Are you a consumer? Are you sort of, you're spending a lot of money on a university education. So does that make you, more, is it, it's more of a business transaction now rather than maybe a, you expect your a return from the investment that you're putting in. So do you think that has had any effect on sort of the way that, and likewise, even out of universities or sort of drama courses and 
continually increase in expense at drama schools and do you think that does have has had an effect on teaching the way it's taught what students expect from their degree programs yeah it, it's quite it's quite interesting that i think in in some ways um yeah i mean i hate the idea of students as consumers or as as, as clients or, uh, of those kind of things but i do think what's what what kind has happened is is they're more vocal if the teaching is disappointing than we were we, you know we were fine about that that was that was you know we got the pub and 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 have a bitch but we wouldn't do much more than that and i think i think what what students now will do is they will that they will come and see if they don't feel that they're getting um value and value is interesting and value for students is different you know different students have different ideas of value and different uh, and even students have a different value to what a university might think of as value but if they don't perceive that they're getting value they'll come and talk to you about it and i think as academics now because of the that kind of transactional nature there is a responsibility but also i think there's a there's a desire actually to make that good so i know in the course of a year i, I probably have 20 conversations with students who for whatever reason are not quite feeling it and sometimes it's because they're not approaching the work in the way that that actually helps them to fulfill their potential and, and you can have a conversation on that level sometimes a, a lecturer has let them down on something and, and then you have to kind of go back and try and make that work or or make that good or, or broker it there's a lot of brokering between staff and students to make sure that the everything is understood um and 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 everything is um supported and again it's that kind of idea is are you are, are you moving if a student doesn't feel they're moving they tend to they tend to be worried and that movement needs to be in skills development or, or intellectual development or just self-realization all of those things will move a student um and we're much more I think we're more acutely aware of that. It's it's subtle in some ways. It's subtle because it's not it's not kind of a tick box exercise. But there is a kind of sense that we are we're more collaborative because of the investment that the students are bringing in, that is their own investment rather than a, a local authority investment or something like that. So so there's the I'm I'm. You know, I, I don't want fees to be higher. I do think education should be um, should be uh, accessible and affordable for everyone. Mm. But that perhaps that that that's sharpened us a little bit. It sharpened the focus of the university and it sharpened the focus of the students. And that that may not be a bad thing. That may not be a bad thing. Yeah, I think it's interesting hearing about what you're saying about sort of value. I think it definitely and that focus on moving forward. I think that for me personally looking around definitely comes from this sort of new social media age of from i know family members that are sort of 10 11 years old on social media and for there is a constant now push to make yourself better you can be whatever you want to be you've just got to work hard enough but i definitely think that's changed the mindset of a lot of young people in the sense of we're constantly told now that if you're not moving forward you're moving backwards and someone somewhere is getting ahead of you if you're not constantly pushing so I think that's quite interesting now in terms of that probably it does reflect on the university style is that people need to keep moving forwards because they're so worried that they'll be left behind if they don't. And I definitely yeah. think that's a social media led issue, really. I think that's something that you can 
chat about for hours and hours from a psychological point of view but yeah that's interesting yeah yeah I had I hadn't I've not framed it in that way in my mind but yeah that's that's there's definitely truth there I think yeah yeah um moving on to sort of carrying on a sort of course in university life how can speaking this is great to get obviously I've spoken to a lot of new creatives that have either been through university or still going through a university experience um so from the flip side looking from your with your head how can students get the best experience from a drama program what is the what can they do to really really excel and get the most out of it really I think I do think you have to still trust it um and and again maybe this social media age is has brought in elements of distrust I think you have to commit and trust it. I don't think you do that blindly I don't think you do that um in order to be manipulated but I do think first of all the first thing to do is choose the right course really choose the right course and there are there are a lot of offers out there now and 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 I think that year that pre-university year where you make a decision where you where you really focus down on where you want to be is vital and I'm always slightly surprised that applicants aren't because it is their market that they're not more pushy about finding out what what we offer and how we offer it some do some some do all the time but if i was if i was heading to university i would i would interrogate the university within an inch of its life as to what the deal actually was and what was coming back what was coming back your way what you could expect as a student but then i think once you once you've got through that once you've made that and you're on your program i, I think you have to trust it um and I use this with the scepticism. I, I think there's a difference between scepticism and cynicism, and it's the sceptical that you need to be. You need to be alert to it, and you need to be you need to be talking and challenging it. Um, if the course is good, it, it will it will it will allow that. It will be part of the, the part of the process by which you're learning. Um, but I do think you need to have the resilience. I mean, our our course at the moment we do thirty hours a week. I mean, sorry, this is pre-pandemic we may go back to that we may or, or we may reconfigure it if we think some of the online stuff has really worked over the last uh, year or so uh, but let's suppose we, you, you know you're on a course that's offering between 25 and 30 hours of contact a week i think be in the room get there on time make sure you're make sure you're doing all those basic things really well and that gives you then the platform to ask the questions and 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 and, and to, to 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 be rigorous and the other thing i would say is is most um, conservatoires certainly and a lot of the university drama courses bring in rightly shed loads of really exciting um, and diverse practitioners ideas through through visiting lecturers and through um, through guest speakers and those kind of things and I, I my advice to students is always ask them make yourself known through a question try and find out something try and make an impression because it's actually those in those networks that are vital going forward and if if someone comes in who who gives an interesting lecture don't be frightened to email them afterwards and say this came up in the lecture and i've been thinking about it and and or, or this came up in the workshop and I, I, i've tried this but it didn't quite work in the way you suggested it would how, how how do you so don't be don't be frightened of of asking the questions of being curious don't be frightened of looking silly about those kind of those kind of things um and try and gain a reputation for curiosity for, in, for intellectual curiosity um and i think if you can do that with sincerity what will happen is you will 
regardless of your innate talent, whatever that might mean, you're going to gain and you're going to grow and you're going to layer yourself in very interesting ways um, and, and come out as a creative um, who has an awful lot to offer, I think. No, I think that's really interesting. I think that's really nice. I think, yeah, people that listen to this podcast, will, yeah, I think it's a good thing to take forward or people that are either going into university or currently in uh, university programs. Um, yeah, it's really interesting. We haven't really amazingly touched upon this too much so far um but we are going to have to bring up the old elephant in the room of the current pandemic and situation that we find ourselves in um with what is rather a big question i'm sure so we might break it down a little bit but um are you worried about the pandemic causing a lost generation in the industry be that pre-university age where people are choosing to not go because teaching is online or because Drama is always seen as one of those sort of vocational passion projects and maybe people are being like, I need to find a safer, more reliable, stable career. And then following university, that sort of first couple of years out of university, that sort of generation who are now entering an industry that is, for the most part, shut. Um, so, yeah, how do you, are you worried that this pandemic will cause a, a gap in the industry? Yeah, I'm kind of not, it's a tricky one. I'm not, in the long-term future of the theatre, I'm, I'm, I'm not so worried because I think every society has needed to define itself, as we said right at the start here, through storytelling and through um, sharing those stories so that they're not just internalised. We have to express what's happened and we need really talented and nuanced people to take that from the mundane to the poetic and 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 into into areas that that, that stimulate and inspire us and 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 give us faith i think without that with, without that we become a really moribund society and 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 um i think there's enough spirit left in us all for us not to let that happen long term i think that's 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 true i think in the short term i'm desperately worried i'm desperately worried for my graduates who are coming through uh, because there isn't that industry that we promised them um, for them to plug straight into. And I think there's a very beautiful thing that's happened, a really beautiful thing, which is that actors and training actors have grabbed hold of the means of production and they're doing all kinds, like you are, Tope. You, 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 I mean, this podcast, I, I guess, comes out of the pandemic, right? Mm. Yeah, it comes yeah. out. It comes from your de creative desire and it comes from your your need to keep in touch and it comes from our need to talk and it comes from so, so it's a lovely thing that you've done here you know beyond beyond the beyond the you know just the um the interesting ideas that are exchanged this is a, this is this is a fight for life here there's something there's something really <laughs> fundamental about 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 doing something creative and i've seen that a lot with with the students who, who are coming through my um my program making short films um writing stories writing poetries finding monologues inventing things inventing things doing things but the economy isn't there to support that at the moment um and and you can lobby it through social media and try and monetize what you're doing a bit to try and make things uh to to, to make things work and I, and I see that starting to happen uh, but i don't think the country in general I certainly don't think the politicians understand that. And I certainly don't think as a society we quite understand that 
to do that you still have to put food on the table and you still have to pay rent and you still have to do these these very basic survival things in order to be in a position of security in order to be able to think and imagine and be creative and and i think there's an underplaying in society of that and and i think a lot of people in 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 theater and the arts you know are lobbying very hard on this but there's a real sense that because it's free and it's there and it's accessible and it's easy to download we don't have to worry about it in a way we're a victim of our own success because we're still produce we can't not we can't not tell stories we can't not produce work um but we're waiting i think because we're giving stuff back all the time in the moment in the pandemic you know the, not just through kind of netflix and stuff like that but through very localized interventions um and very personal and intimate interventions uh, that creative and artistic people are giving um but it's being given for free in a way that other industries probably wouldn't accept or would hold back on until they uh, signed the contract and made the deal and and, and, and protected their, their their creative investment or their or their intellectual investment so i do think uh, uh, I really hope there'll be an honest conversation about the theatre ecology uh, and the economies around that as we come through the pandemic and as we re reassert our our, our our ability to earn the money that we need in order to stay creative. And creatives have never relished the idea of being billionaires. I mean, we'd all like to be rich, but 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 that's not what drives that's not what drives people in the theatre. It really isn't, it, it, uh, but it is. There is a sense of respect that's needed, and a sense of, yeah, the basic means in which we can survive, and give ourselves the space to do the work that we need to do. And so I am worried about that. And and, and it's very interesting. I had two very very talented colleagues at St Mary's, who. Um, were incredibly diligent through the first lockdown, working with students 60 hours a week, tuning in, talking to them, working. By the end of the first lockdown, they were both, I think, I think it's fair to say, they were both very, very tired, very tired. And over the summer, both of them actually resigned. And what's really interesting about that is I don't think they resigned necessarily because of, of um, St. Mary's. I think they just couldn't see a way through into the next part of this mm. and although they're both doing really creative things and they're brilliant people and they're, um, and, and they're doing amazing stuff they've both left he and they both left the theater for now i hope they'll come back because they've got huge amounts to offer both of them but um um but in a way that was quite telling to me but i you know we lost these two brilliant colleagues and it wasn't like they were going to a, another job in another university and it wasn't like they were going to go and 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 and, and create theater somewhere else and you know they're they fed up with the formalities of education and stuff mm -hmm. like that they, they just felt that the time wasn't right for training and making work and, and they're both creative so they'll find other, other other pathways but i think that's that's the interesting bit at the moment so I know I'm not answering this question very clearly or cleanly. I think, I think what you'll see is that there'll be a huge diversity and, of, of output now. And theatre will change as part of that. I mean, that undoubtedly the pandemic is going to really change how we create theatre and how we view theatre and watch it and, 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 and take part in it as audience, I think. It will change all of those things. 
And I think maybe it won't be as defined. It won't be as defined. There'll be all kinds of, of breakouts and new initiatives um, and, and crossovers and hybridities, which, which will be very interesting, very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but I am, I am worried that the direct commitment we made to students who joined us two years ago, we can't fulfill. We told them we trained them to be actors. We told them they would have opportunities in television and theatre and film and radio. Um, and apart from radio, really, there's, it's, it's harder. It's harder. <laughs> yeah. so, so we've had to kind of apologise for that, I think, and, 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 and try, to di- try and encourage that diversification to happen a bit through the way which we assess and, and some of the ideas that we're now exploring with them in their final year. Um, that's really interesting yeah. yeah i've noticed yeah think, thinking of radio sort of looking back now i haven't really thought about it but yeah radio has become a massive i know lots more people listening to radio it's sort of had a real resurgence in the lockdown i think yeah um, so that's actually a really interesting extra yeah pathway that hadn't really crossed my mind hello and welcome to this week's catch it if you can once again i am joined by charlotte how have you been have you had a good start to the year yeah, it's been it's been good. Not particularly eventful, but um, calm at least. <laughs> calm. That, I think that's as much as anyone can have at the minute. It's a bit of calm. Cool. You are back as usual with the things to watch. As people can't go to the theatre, they're mainly online stuff this week. Things to watch, things to do, and a couple of opportunities for everyone listening as well. So start us off with the things to watch this week. Yeah, so despite everything that is going on in the world, uh, have no fear, lots of theatre is still out there. Uh, Firstly, for anyone wanting a plethora of theatre to access, uh, go to Scene Saver. It's a new free online hub to watch performances uh, from off West End and fringe theatres from all around the world. All you have to do is go to www.scenesaver.co.uk, register and get watching. Uh, For any creatives as well, you can actually also upload your own content um for those uh who are creating out there which is a fantastic way um to get watches and to put your work out um so throughout february on various dates and times mischief company they're so fabulous we love them uh they are doing mischief movie nights uh in you can book for 10 pounds each uh one or all 10 of their shows uh with a participation ticket you can actually help the team come up with the title genre location and pick the movie which is a really exciting opportunity um so definitely go and watch their stuff it's been very very popular um Till Saturday, the 20th of February, streaming at the Lowry Theatre is Swimming Home, uh, Sylvia Mercurali's latest auto teatro show. It brings a fully immersive 35-minute theatre experience into people's homes, transforming their bathroom into a filmic water world. Standing in the bathroom wearing a swimming costume, goggles and some headphones, the audience is led through a journey of rediscovery of their relationship with water as they prepare to enter their bath or shower. Uh, On the 15th of February via Thornhill Theatre Space, you can listen to the original cast recording of Tree Sun, an eco-musical. It's a love story between humanity and the earth. It will also be available via all digital and streaming platforms, and it's a great way to support upcoming theatre. So uh, go catch all of those if you can. Great. So they're the things that people can watch this week. What can they do this week? 
So Faccio Cose are running physical theatre online workshops every Wednesday, 6.30 till 8pm till the 24th of March. You'll be exploring Jacques Lecoq's techniques uh, in particular. They will also cover mime, organic movement, uh, improvisation, embodiment and analysis as well. So it's particularly helpful to anyone brand new to physical theatre. All sessions are also recorded, so if you can't make them, you can at least access the video recording. Um, and you can go to www.fasciocose.com uk slash online fiscal theatre course um, to book yourself onto that. Now the wonderful Telltale Theatre Company who are previous show guests have a fantastic online workshop lined up for all of you on the 13th of February. It is with the company's artistic director Mariella Oakes. You'll look at movement through imagination, exploring techniques for imaginary landscapes, atmosphere and gesture. So head on over to their social medias to book a space and support some new creatives. Perfect. Yep, they are previous guests on the show. And finally, finish with a couple more opportunities as well. So Shutterhub Editions in 2021, they want your photographs around the theme of poetry. It's for a new book they're publishing. A hundred images will be selected for inclusion in the book and you can enter single images or a short series of images. Um, up to six each can be entered per photographer. Uh, so to find out more information on including how to enter and the rules, go to shutterhub.org.uk and the deadline to enter is the 18th of February. Uh, now, Quintuple L Productions has an actor's call out. They are looking to put on scratch performances using excerpts from a number of plays. It's an online project, so you can be based anywhere in the UK at all and can have any level experience. All you need to do is fill in a short form, upload an audition tape using provided material, and then another excerpt of your choosing. Uh, so more information and the form can be found on their website. So go to quintuple.co.uk slash act with us to find out more. And again, it's supporting some really great new creatives. Um, so do get involved. And it's a fantastic experience for any performers out there currently looking for something to do while we're all inside. Perfect. Thank you very much. Yeah, even though theatres may still have their theatre doors shut, there is still a lot more going on online that people can get involved with. So if you do like any of the things that Charlotte has mentioned this week and you want to find out more, all of the links and all the content will be available on our social medias once the podcast is out. So go to all of our different social medias to hear and find out more about all of the opportunities. Thank you, Charlotte, for joining me again this week. I will speak to you Thank again you next week. Much. See you next week. Speak to you later. Um, what do you think sort of building on this that obviously it's so difficult for everyone but how have you found sort of adapting courses and teaching for the zoom or google meet or teams world and can obviously there are lots of different courses lots of different subjects i think some are easier to move online than others how have you found that process of sort of trying to build a program that works virtually yeah um I think it's been I think it's been challenging and, and you're right certain modules work better than others um, and obviously kind of discursive modules and our tutorial programs actually work really well on zoom that we found way in some ways it works better than face to face um, uh, which which is really interesting and I, I still haven't quite worked out why that is but but group tutorials on zoom I, I think it's the celebration of coming together when you've been in isolation mm. and you see all your mates again. And, and, but they work really well. They work really well. Um, some of the other things, some of the big challenges we've had is about the space that individual students have. So you might try and run 
a, a pseudo movement course online or a, or even a vocal training online but it's really hard to assess through because you know the, you're hearing the work through the um uh, through the technology rather than the purity of the voice in the space and things like that but but you one of the problems that i think hasn't really been appreciated rent training is that the students may be working really confined spaces themselves mm. so it's no good setting a, a kind of dance routine or teaching someone some choreography if literally their their world is 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 boxed um and shared and there's a sofa in the way that can't be moved because their flatmates are sitting on the sofa doing something else so there's all kinds of stuff i think that are um that has been challenging to us we managed it in the first lockdown i don't think and, and i don't think this is contentious in, in in certainly not in our circles i don't think the training was as effective i think the energy of the staff was fantastic i think the response of the students was amazing some of the assessment pieces were terrific and imaginative and great i think they learned different things i think they learned to be resourceful i think they learned to problem solve I'm not sure they had that deep kind of learning of technique that they might have done had they been in the space with us. Um, and then, then from September to December, we had a really lovely time where we, we, we created COVID safe environments. We kept cohort bubbles. But we came back. We came back and we actually mounted productions in December, which we live streamed um, from our studio spaces. We didn't have live audiences. Um, but the students, we, we had incredibly good protocols actually we had a brilliant our senior technician wrote, wrote incredible risk assessment documents which was sensitive enough to allow us to work but actually kept 300 students relatively safe um for for, for that period so relatively safe they were safe they were absolutely safe for that for that period and although students sometimes disappear for 10 days in self-isolation because they're in accommodation with um students who were um who were exhibiting symptoms we got there everybody got there we got there and 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 we did some really good work and then this lockdown's been a real bummer actually because we made progress and and we felt we, we were blended learning you know we were keeping stuff online and we were limiting the amount of time students had on campus but to have it all closed down again is really frustrating for both staff and students uh, and we feel as though we're having to reinvent the wheel a little bit um and perhaps we should have built more resilience um but i think we we we, we had such a, a a lovely first semester back from september to december that, that we we're, we're having to climb the mountain again a bit now and 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 work things through um but a lot of the work we do we try our, our policy has been to try and suspend actually rather than to deliver in a less good way mm -hmm. so some of the work we can do online but we've pushed all our production work back and we're really hoping we can get back in after may mm. and into june to deliver that um rather than try and put it on in february which is when it was originally scheduled so where we can we've delayed we've postponed we spend we do lots of tutorials with students each member of staff has four hours a week of personal tutorials lined up mm. so we're we're doing a lot of well-being work with students trying to make sure that they're motivated and okay and and are able to scream if they need to and are, and are able to um move forward as, as we said before that's really important the moving forward the momentum of education is so important um 
but it's been it has been tough it's 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 been tough in a way finding creative solutions we're, we're all right at we're quite good at that finding the mental resilience to keep the narrative that this is all okay mm. and this is all right and this is really going to be fantastic um as an experience for you which we could do with absolute credibility when we were doing face-to-face teaching that's the that's the challenge to do that to to keep to keep saying that and i do think what we're offering is brilliant i'm not uh, i'm not going to undermine anything that my staff are doing or anything my students are doing Mm. but just that challenge to keep it um uh credible really credible is that's the tough bit i think that's the tough bit i think that's great i think yeah it's been brilliant to sort of speak to you and hear that sort of other side because certainly a lot of people that listen to this podcast and again it goes back to that sort of social media see constant streams of what students are thinking and what students are doing so to hear sort of the other side really and hear about what it's been like for you to organize it and make it possible is yeah i think really interesting for a lot of people to hear Uh, i'm going to move it towards our usual last two questions um for what we ask each guest every week and have done all the way through since the first episode um so i'll start the first one which is where do you see theater in 12 months time and you can sort of take this in whatever way you'd like Right. So there's there's a couple of things I think I think will happen. It may it may not be in 12 months, maybe may slightly longer. I think the way we watch theatre, I think there's going to be inhibitors to people going back into, into theatre venues. And that will partly be because our habit of watching theatre has changed. Um, and I don't know, you, you know, I'm I'm every now and then I download 10 or 15 quid and watch a show online and and there's some convenience to that. I, I do miss all of the visceral thing about going to the theatre and the excitement of catching a train up to town or, 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 or going out at night and sitting with a group of strangers and hearing their snatches of overheard conversation and the lights going down. All of that, all of that really visceral stuff. I think, I, God, you know, I'm, I'm, I think everyone in theatre is really pining for it. But um I think there will be inhibitors when, when the theatres reopen. I hope they will reopen very within 12 months. I really do. Uh, and part of that will be psychological. I think we will have learned to, I, th- I think we will be more distrusting of, gr- of crowds and groups, unfortunately. And that will take a while. If it ever returns to where it was, it will take a, it will take a while. So I think the way theatres consumed will be, will be changed. And I think most shows will continue to be live streamed in some form or other. And more regularly, not just a one-off NT live type event, but I think, I think most nights in most theatres may there may be a kind of blended approach where you can watch at home or you can go in. Um, a bit more like how football works in a funny kind of way, or yeah. how Sky have, Sky have revolutionised live football. You know, you pay or you go to the, you can still go to the match, but you can also you can also stay at home. So I think there'll be more more fluidity there, and I also think. Um, uh, there'll be much more bite-sized type work. I think that was happening in theatre anyway. I think, you know, some of the the, the more recent innovations in theatre have been to, um, have been around the amount, the attention spans of the audience and whether, whether I, I, I mean, there's some great merit in sitting watching through, you know, all the parts of Henry the Sixth and, you know, in, in a day and sit, committing yourself to a day of that kind of thing or you know or, or all the greek tragedies in one day but but i think that kind of stuff probably has gone and you'll see that, that you'll see the old canon reinvented in very interesting in new ways 
Um, I don't think it will be rejected totally. I think some people think it will. I don't think it will, but I think it'll be, it'll be, it'll be reinterpreted and, re, uh, uh, and reworked. And then I think this point about the director that I draw on earlier is 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 changing. I, I, and I think one of the things I'm really interested in at the moment, and it partly comes through. I mean, there, there's a kind of evolution, but there are key moments in that evolution: the Me, the Me Too mo- moment and the, and the Black Lives Matter moment. This idea of the power relationships is 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 changing, and and there is a power relationship in theatre about the director. And the key thing that the director does is cast, and the casting is always done from a point of prejudice. Now it might be benevolent prejudice, or it might be um, actually very destructive prejudice. But casting, that idea of casting, and the director having the power to do that, I think you might see that challenged in quite interesting ways. Um, and you might see a return to some of the work that was going on in the late 60s and 70s and 80s, where you had kind of company collaboration around things. Um, and I think that may become the dominant mode. I think it, it risked, it didn't risk, it, it, it challenged the dominant mode, it, you, you know, in, in, in the 60s and 70s. I don't think it replaced it. I think the director, the, author, the authority of the director remained intact. So it'll be really interesting. That won't be in 12 months' time, but you'll start to see, I think, um, other ways of creating work where people perhaps compromise. At the moment, everyone compromises into the into the director, but maybe other people compromise and, 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 and something happens. Or maybe you have a show that's told four or five different ways, the same show, by different creatives taking the emphasis or taking the lead and, and, and finding a way to, to, to do that. So things like that, I think, will probably will probably start to emerge and evolve. Um, but I do go back to this point. There's no chance that theatre will die. There's no chance it will end. Mm. Uh, and there's no society um, that remains. Well, it, it, the only way it can end is if you have a totalitarian society. And, and although there are there are risks... <laughs> as we come out of the pandemic, um, as where control has gone and who controls narrative and who controls the means of production, all of those things are, 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 are challenged by the pandemic, I think. I don't think there's any sign that that that, that the UK is ready for um, a clampdown of creativity. I just don't see that. In fact, I see the opposite. I really see the opposite. I, think, I see real desire um, for the freedom and the freshness and the laughter and the joy um and the shared experience of 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 theater making and theater sharing uh, yeah i think that's really great um and yeah the final question uh what is one piece of advice or a quote or something you live by that you would give to a new creative a oh, quote um i think i think that, that 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 kind of idea of staying curious and staying with it um don't clamp down your practice too early don't define it too early. Always be ready to reinvent, particularly if you're looking for, um, if you really want to uh, a, a kind of long-lived career. And I speak as someone who probably didn't have that. I kind of, you know, <laughs> went into education. I, I, I've settled. And, and although I do do artistic things now, I certainly, uh, not all my dreams that I had when I was 19 and 20 have been fulfilled. I'm absolutely sure about that. And that's probably because I, I at certain points, I played safe. I just went, okay, yeah, I'll earn some money here and I'll do this and, and I'll follow the rules here and make that work. So I would I would stay open, I'd stay, I'd stay in tune. 
I would give yourself lots of time to think. I would give yourself, however you do that, whether that's through going for long walks or whether it's through reading or whether it's through meditation, or I would give yourself space to imagine the um, unimaginable, not the unmanageable, everything's manageable, the unimaginable, and and, and be brave about it. Be brave about it and and protect yourself. So there's too much advice here, right? Um, (laughs) Protect yourself, build up. I've got a really... One of my former students, he's he's doing really well at the moment, talks about find your tribe and keep your tribe. I love that as an idea. Build build around you the people who are going to challenge you and say, are you sure that's right? But equally, if you say, yes, I'm sure we're going to back you. Mm-hmm. So make sure you make sure you've got you've got a tribe around you because then you can be brave. You can be brave. It's hard to be brave totally on your own, if you're particularly if you're going against the grain um of 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 the way things work lots of advice it's an i think it's an exciting time but it's a very the rules have gone a bit for new creatives you've got to rewrite them in your own way i think if you're going to survive and that's a real challenge that's really hard that's really hard i think that's great i think that's a lovely point to end on i think that's really nice way of sort of sending people off with the podcast to think about um thank you very much for joining me and giving up your time to speak on the podcast i think it's been really insightful to hear a sort of a different viewpoint to maybe what we've had so far in other episodes um so yeah i hope you've enjoyed it i hope you've enjoyed chatting and sharing your experiences yeah toby it's been total joy i've really that's been and and you know what in in a day when you know you go from zoom to meeting to report writing to all that kind of thing to checking in with people this has been a a lovely liberating hour of 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 dreaming thank you lovely no worries (laughs) thank you for joining me well i hope you guys find that interview as interesting to listen to as it was to record i think it was a great insight into the other side of what we've been talking about a lot throughout this series and throughout this podcast so yeah i hope you guys find it really enjoyable and an interesting listen We will end the podcast this week, as we always do so far this series, with a piece of new work. This week it comes from Katie Ann Miles, who is bringing a piece that was premiered at our good friends the Showface Festival. And we've got a short extract from it here. And it is performed by Katie Ann herself. This is Using My Eyes. You. It's you. No. No, you're, you're gone. You're not here, really, are you? You can't be. I, I thought I, I lost you. I got rid of you. I don't know you anymore. I, I, I didn't. I don't. I promised myself I wouldn't know you anymore, and I was happy. I was happy not knowing. Do you know how long it's been? Do you know how hard I have worked to get rid of you? It has taken me years and then you decide you can just crawl back in and... Doesn't matter. You're here. Obviously. You're still here.
if I'm honest. I thought I felt you weeks ago. I caught you staring out the window. You were using my eyes. You were looking at the road. In my car. You were seeing if there was someone inside. The thought of you made my skin crawl. You made me feel sick. I couldn't work out why, but I liked it. I, I hated how much I liked it. I, I wanted to close my eyes and stop you looking, but I couldn't. keep finding you in the spaces between the clothes in my wardrobe, in my phone calls, in my new perfume. Last night I, I wouldn't admit it, but I found you in my bed. Your arms were longer than I remembered. Your body was small smooth. I felt like a child again, being held by you. I always hated feeling like a child and you knew that. I would scream at you for infantilizing me, but this time... What did you do? You wrapped yourself around me. You held me so gently, I, I almost forgot you were there. You made it feel safe. But you are a dead thing, aren't you? I let you die. I thought I could move on and that would kill the memory of you. I thought that was what I wanted. But maybe... I think I'm missing something. That was Using My Eyes by Katie and Miles. Thank you very much for joining us again this week. We are back with a bang. I hope you all enjoyed listening. We'll have a new podcast again out next week for you to listen to and indulge in. So look out for that. And again, look out for all the links on our social media to the catch it if you can, opportunities, things to see things to do and the opportunities they'll all be on our social media in the coming week so have a good week please do share and like any of our stuff the more you share it the more people get involved and the bigger we can be as we say every week but until then keep safe keep looking out for each other and keep being creative